Good afternoon. Um, had a good uh, mock East in-season Wednesday, if you will, today. Just wanted to take them through uh, the structure of a day that's that's in-season Wednesday-like in terms of some pre presentation of base game plan materials, talking about significant matchups versus a potential opponent. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. Good job, Jacob, finding that quote. Uh, he you know, pulled it together. Yeah, he did pull it together. Uh, so, uh, welcome to the locker room. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're, and you are in the locker room. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're going to have a great day. We have Jerry Dulac and JT Thomas. Not Jim uh, for, Wexel, as I thought previously, yeah, because yeah. I was reading Wex's column. Yeah. And then I thought, you know, today was Wednesday, which it isn't because it's Thursday. I have issues. Yeah. You know, and they are many. Yeah. It's well, you know, uh, one, one of the reasons. <laughs> we, what, what are you kidding me? Yeah. One of the reasons we play uh, jump yes. is because, uh, you know, these guys are excited and uh, they had a. a, a, a Wednesday practice yesterday uh, and a, a good mock in-season Wednesday practice. Uh, right. As, uh, and they ran Scott squad. And, they did. Uh, uh, Ones you, versus twos. Yeah, yeah. Which leads to some interesting matchups yeah, and yeah. overwhelming matchups the, the at run, times. The running game worked. <laughs> Boy, it looked good against those twos, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they By the won. way, I have to tell you something. Yeah. When you first played jump, you know what the first thing that crossed my mind? What? You remember about five years ago, we're up at training camp. I get a call from my son, Kyle Jacob, in a training uh, mission jump from uh, down in Fort Bragg right, right. and with the British commandos. And like 900 feet up, he lands on the parachute of one of the British commandos. He's on top of the canopy, 900 feet in the air. He had to run off the canopy to keep his chute open in this training mission. And you remember, he destroyed his foot when he landed because yeah, he, he came down so hard yeah. and landed. And it was a total act of God to keep him safe, and he's healthy and repaired. But that's the first thing I thought about. Right. Who jumps out of a perfectly good airplane? That's crazy. I told him, you got to stop doing that. You're going to give the old man a heart attack. Yeah, I'm, I want to – I, I want to – I want to jump out of an airplane. You wanted to. We both were going to, remember? But when I hit my 30s, I kind of started to slow down. Things like doing that wasn't, like, so exciting because I kept thinking about what happens if you do the big bounce. Yeah. You know? I mean, you think about Alex Honnold yesterday, and he says, you know, if you fall from the top of El Capistran or whatever. that El not, Capitan. Okay, that too. All right, if you fall off of that thing, you know, your your body explodes when you hit the valley floor like 3,000 feet down. I'm thinking to myself, I don't want any part of something I can explode outward. Yeah, uh, you know, um, so, uh, you know, let's get back to football. Oh, sorry, I was uh, yeah. I was uh, tangent in there, yeah, you know, you, on a you, tangent. You, you uh, so... Uh, you know, he wanted to take them through an in-season Wednesday right. practice, uh, and uh, they they worked it that way. And uh, game plan, uh, significant matchups. Uh, you know, do what we normally do on Wednesdays, and so that's run. You know, Wednesday is a run focus uh, uh, practice. Right. Uh, Thursday is a pass focus. Right, practice. and down in distance. Yeah, yeah. 
you know, uh, here's the thing that my first thought when when you know you start talking about this yeah. was the fact of the completeness of Mike's detailed work. Look, he takes them through a practice where they're the home team. Then he takes them through a practice where he's the, they're the away team. And now it's a Wednesday. I love the detail because you and I both know one of the most important things you can have for a football team and a football player individually is routine. Right. That is incredibly important. So for him to introduce these details of these, you know, scenarios that they're going to run into, I thought was really important, a big part of the preseason. So, you know, one of the things, things he said is, well, we want to get uh, practice getting our offense off the field and on the field and our defense right. off the field and on the field and our special teams on the field and off the, the transitions. Field. Yeah. No question about it. Why is that so important? Yeah, because uh, they, what happens on the sidelines? Because there's no preseason games, right? And it's chaos, right? You know, if we, you and I, you know, when we were young bucks, okay, we were on all the special. I know teams. when you were talking to the cheerleader and you okay. were you were like all right, going all right. on. <laughs> I was a young single man. She was a, she was a very lovely lady, uh, and we just happened well, to strike up conversation. Well, what what possessed you to talk to her? I don't know. It just happened. How do things like that happen? They just happen. Yeah. You know, she was she was very nice and and you know and and I was just happened to be standing there. Was it what was it at the Giants? Was it New York? I, no, it was Atlanta. If Atlanta. you remember Fulton County Stadium. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and um, so it was just one of those situations that happened. Yeah. You know, and then you're a little late running out there for the punt team because, yeah. you know, uh, you didn't quite get the number. Whatever. Yeah. This is embarrassing. And you man. were next to me. You were guarding Absolutely. I was tackled. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're looking around and I'm like going, uh I was going, Where's Wolf? Where's Wolf? And Chuck Chuck, Chuck never knew. Chuck he never knew. He's, but he was going, get out. Remember there. he was so mad in the meetings he goes, I don't know what what you were thinking, but and I was just thinking to myself, I just hope you don't know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> That would have been a hard one to explain to Chuck. Yeah. You know, um matter of fact, my career might have ended right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when uh I, I love Danny Smith because he has these very interesting um uh special teams drills. Yes. And you know, they're they're going off and running back on, going off and running back on. Uh you know, the the thing that uh you have to run back on is uh, field goal, and uh, they 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 did. You've really got well. to make sure everybody's aware of who the two deep is. Yeah, you can't be stuck with just knowing. Okay, the ones are out there, so you've got to know who your man is and what his physical condition is throughout the game. Remember when I had to step in for you on the kickoff? Right. Yeah, when you got donkerated? Yeah, yeah. When and I got, you got jellified up in the gourd? Yeah, right. And who had to step in? And when, the darn thing about it was, I had forgotten whether you were R three or R two. And I was trying to ask you, but you were so grogified. You were like, and I'm going, what, what, who, who do you, what were you, R2, R3? I couldn't remember. Yeah. So, so, you know, he wanted to transition from group to group. And, uh, you know, the, right. when uh, you don't have preseason games, you do that and uh, you, you run it guys in off. You know, one of the things that I, I, I've noticed that all 11 guys – and all eleven guys, twenty-two, all twenty-two guys are not on there uh, what are you talking on the about field now? at the off the, the special teams. Right, right. You know, now, the, you when know. you're when you're 
you're talking about the transition. Or you're talking about they're already out there. I'm not following. Well, you, you know, I I don't I don't see that they've had eleven on eleven uh, attack. You know, oh, the full yeah, running yeah. the full special. Yeah, you teams, know right. the uh, the punt team, the punt return team, the kickoff and kickoff return. They've broken things down yeah. so that you have the small two four man scenarios that are are driven. You know, by that, yeah, they're trying to eliminate the the health risk. Yeah, that could be problematic. The, the, the thing that I, I, I want people to understand is you have to un- imagine yourself on an NFL sideline. Yeah. It can be quite chaotic, and you have to be proactive as a player knowing what the down and distance is, what the packages are, what the special teams. When you hear third down, you got to make sure you got your helmet, you're, you're moving towards what could be a punt return, punt team, whatever it is, and Danny Smith is calling out guys. And so you've got to be aware. You've got to constantly be aware. You see guys sitting on the you know benches and so forth. Well, they know at that moment in time they're relaxed enough to know I know where I'm at and what's going on. But you know, especially backups, you've got to be active and fluid moving up and down the sidelines so that you're aware of who uh, is out there and who could you know be hurt and you have to replace. So Karen texted me this picture of her uh, going tandem uh, on a free fall and. Uh, that, that's oh, you're a, kidding she, me. She did that, yeah. Karen, you're nuts. Yeah. You're absolutely Coco Logan. This is Tunch's wife doing a tandem. Oh, when? Holy cow, I can't even believe it. Yeah. I. You know what? We kept thinking, you know, 20s, yeah, let's do that. And we just never quite got around to it. You 30s, know, you kept going, let's do it. And I'm going, eh, I don't know. And then we hit 40s. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, would going, you rather no, do, I'm done. Would I'm you done. Rather, would you rather do a tandem or by yourself? Oh, tandem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I would rather do by myself because what if the tandem guy has a heart attack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hey, could you pull? Pull. I'd be screaming at this guy. I never thought about that. Yeah. The tandem guy. Yeah. The tandem guy passes out. Hey, hello. Hey, wake up. Oh, my gosh. I'm sweating. Oh, my goodness. So Mike said we'll continue to do that on special teams. Tandem uh, jumps? Yeah. No, no, not tandem jumps. <laughs> want to uh, make sure. We don't want to have issues. Uh, with having it on the field or not on the field, uh, you know, and and so you know he told he talked about getting guys back. Anthony McFarland uh, practice. Cam Sutton couldn't finish it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, I wonder what happened to him. He's being examined. They say. Yeah, he's being evaluated, uh, and and he he doesn't think it's anything. Probably it's a, like a little donkeration. Yeah, but to finish up on the special teams, it is infinitely important. And what I love is the detail and the uh, pointed detail of what what they accomplished yesterday. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really dotting the I's, crossing the T's, because a lot of people don't understand just how chaotic it is on those sidelines right. on Sunday, on game day. Yeah. So one of the things he was asked, Mike Tomlin, was were you focusing on the, focusing on the Giants and, you know, new head coach, uh, you don't right. have a lot of film on them. Um, and he said, uh, uh, "We're still focused on us. We don't know really about. We don't know a lot about the Giants. What are you gonna know? Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? Because there's you, no film. No, everything is your guess is good as mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, but we do know this: 
Joe Judge can recover a, a, a greased pig uh, under uh, with, with a, being hosed down. Yeah. He had a nice hook slide, hooked it up very nice. Um, but that's about all you know by yeah. v- via video evidence of what the Giants are, are doing. So uh, Joe Judge coached with the um, uh, New England Patriots for right. a long time. Uh, I, I wonder, is that their offense or Jason Garrett from – Dallas's office. There's probably going to be a meshing of the two, but I would think that Jason Garrett was brought on for a purpose. You know, you look at uh, the Giants, they have the Saquon Barkley, like the Ezekiel Elliott, you know. Um, You got a young quarterback in Daniel Jones. Uh, I think Jason Garrett probably, you know, was productive with Dak uh, Prescott or whatever his name is. Dak Prescott. Yeah, him too. You you nailed it. Did I nail it? You know, I I felt like uh, I was free falling, which, by the way, we gotta we gotta come back with uh, Tom Petty free falling yeah. just just in honor of your bride who was tandem jumping and I would not do that no way no how I told my son because Kyle was one jump short of getting his master as far in pair in jumping I would ju- I would I would love to jump with Kyle <laughs> I said I told Kyle I said listen if you expect the old man to do a father son jump I go you better bring five of your biggest and baddest guys with you and you know what I ain't gonna go easily out <laughs> that plane. Let me tell you. I would I would do that. Fine. I'll tell him that. Yeah. You know, I ain't going up there. Why not? Why not? Yeah. When you got when you come flying down like that and you, you get palpitated. You get right? the, the big bounce. The big bounce. I don't want any part of that. Yeah. Uh I I, I don't And no. if you really wanted to do it, you'd have done it already. Yeah. You know, it's part of that thing where you go, just maybe. Just maybe the Lord kept you from yeah. doing the big bounce. Yeah. You know, when you have things like like Kyle, you think about Kyle. How do you go? You're on a canopy. You're on a British commando undercuts you while you're jumping, and you land on the can. You got to run. You talk about panic? A thousand feet up in the air. You got to run yeah. to keep your shoot inflated? I'm sorry. I wouldn't have the presence of mind. We're all going down. <laughs> well, you know, Kyle – is uh, a good free faller, so I wouldn't. He's I would. He was. A, he's a war fighter, and yeah. war fighters are special people. Yeah, and uh, they get the job done. Guys like me, <laughs> we're better off behind the lines, <laughs> not doing any damage. All right, we're gonna take a break. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's Wolf. I'm Touch, and you're in the locker room. We're gonna be back right after this.
we added to that, we had some more transitional things. We, we feel like we need additional work between getting the offense and defensive unit off the fields and special teams units on the field. That is a big component of preseason football, gaining fluidity in that area. And so we're paying respect to these unusual uh, circumstances. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now here's Tunch and Wolf. We're back. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the locker room. And that was Mike Tomlin talking about fluidity. And they do have fluidity. Uh, getting the special teams on and off the field, getting right. the offense on and off the field, uh, they did that well. Uh, yeah, they did that well yesterday. They did very well, and they didn't get lost. And you didn't hear Danny Smith having a meltdown or a face melt on anybody. Yeah. Because guys paid attention in the meetings. You know, he made them aware of the down-distance situations, how they go about making sure you, on third down you hear the call. Right. Punt team, get ready. Or, you know, punt return, get ready. That sort of thing. It keeps everybody in the game. And then even Danny, one of the things I love about Danny, again, T- total preparation. Now we do a – it was either a punt or a punt return or a kickoff return, and he yelled something about it being offside. He's got a re-kick. Where do you line up? He's got the guys right. showing him where they line up. And those are the details that make the difference between good teams, mo- medium teams, and, and poor right. teams. Right, you right, know what right, I mean? right. Hey, they, they, they were all on point uh, getting exactly. out and off the field yesterday. Uh, exactly. One of the things that uh, we were uh, noticing yesterday, the running game was good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and James, you know, uh, Mike Tomlin said James has had a good camp. Uh, well, you were watching him yesterday, and James is fast. He looked faster than I remember him in a long I First of all, again, you know, you love the story. You love the guy. He's, yeah. he's one of those guys that um, – I don't know. You know, there's certain guys in the locker room you look at before a game, and you're you're stronger for having been around them. You yeah. know what I mean? Guys like Mike Webster, Joe Green, in our day, um, guys like James. They're, they're, he's special. I've seen him interact with fans, people who have suffered similar uh, illness, uh, the diseases right. that he that he did, and 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 they feel stronger for having been near him. I mean, right. I've been listening to him talk and, and, you know, and they're saying I can, I can overcome this cause you did, you know? And I, I think that's precious and wonderful and what an inspiration. And I, I love that because his story radiates beyond the field, but the field is still a pretty dadgum good spot for him to shine. Yeah. And he's got uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 tattooed on his calf. I oh, have yes. great plans for you. Plans to prosper, prosper, and uh, not, not to, to harm, harm you. you. Uh, give you hope in a future. Yeah, give you a, a future and a hope. I yeah. get sometimes I get it backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's right. why you know whenever I start like um, doing doing uh, Bible verses, I need a fact checker. You right. Know? Just just fact check me. It's okay. I don't mind it because <laughs> I get myself a little twisted sometimes. Yeah. But the fact is, with uh, James, uh, he lives it out. Yeah. And has lived it out. Yeah. And the inspiration that he brings to other people, he brings to his teammates. Yeah, he looked really good he yesterday. Did, didn't he? Yeah, he, he, kid he, sucks, man. He he kid he, he kept hitting the holes and he bounced it outside. He cut it back. Uh, you know, I, I I'm think James is gonna have a big year. He seemed to be carrying more speed to the hole than I remember. 
I don't know. I, I you know, it's it's hard because being up in the stands, it's such a different perspective. Right. Yeah. But he sure seemed to be carrying a lot of speed into the first cut that he made, more so than I remember. And you know, again, that might just be because I have a different perspective setting up high. Yeah. And plus, I was eating munch on a sandwich too. You do. You were. Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, you, okay. have, you, yeah. you, know, you get that box lunch. You going. know, one of the things that. Uh, uh, but my... I didn't eat the chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I, Good I'm, for you. Yeah. Trying to hold off there. Uh, so Mike Tomlin was talking about the running backs, and he said, uh, "He said we want to get to know Anthony McFarland." Isn't yeah. that? I like how he's put that. Yeah. We want to get to know. Anthony McFarland, what's he saying there, Chalooch? Yeah, he's saying that I want to see how, uh, what kind of football player he is, right? Uh, how he cuts, uh, how we, uh, uh, he, how we can utilize, yeah, him. how he can pick up uh, blitzes. Uh, Let me go back to what I, I talked about at the beginning of uh, the phase one. You know, when we were just kind of, you know, mucking it up and talking, you know, just because we hadn't anything to watch, right? But one of the things that I've always since Anthony McFarlane and Chase Claypool, and then you got the, the Thunder and Lightning, as you refer to, Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron, you know, why, a, a, a grouping that groups the biggest receivers, which would be Vance and Eric Ebron and Chase Claypool and Juju, together along with, um, you know, uh, McFarlane and a little bit of, you know, Matt Canada magic with uh, maybe some, you know, movement, pre-snap movement, and then uh, McFarland trying to get him on one of those cutbacks, you know, press that outer edge right. where he can either take it to the sidelines or hit any of the six holes going backside. Right. I I still I think that's in my mind that's the madness I see. Yeah, that that's the uh, interesting thing that Mike wants to see uh, how he how he cuts back, how he right. You know, when we looked at him on film. Uh, in college, mm-hmm. uh, you could tell that he had great vision. Uh, well, he could see what? Yeah. The, he, the, the he, linebackers, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. He, he kind of had seemed to, in my mind, he seemed to understand some, the blocking scheme. So you got an idea where you where to hit, and then being able to see those linebackers playing peekaboo. Yeah, and so uh, he is learning uh, in these in this offense, you know, in the Steeler offense, he, he, he got a lot doesn't of got it yet. Do. Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's got a lot of learning. But that's why you gotta. You, why Mike says we want to get to know him, you know, I, what what as his ability to pick up the blitz. You know, we haven't seen much of backs on backers anymore, have we? Yeah, I think well, we see it twice. Yeah, and that was it. Um, and that's something that I I, I think uh, for Anthony, that's going to be. You know, being able to pick right, up the blitz right. is going to be significant if you're going to get any playing time. And so, and also, he said uh, we got to uh, see the evolution of Benny Snell. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's had a good camp. Yeah, Benny has had a really good camp. He's fast. Uh, you know, he's he's in great shape, and I think that he looks a lot better than last year. I think I think you're correct. Uh, he looks quicker. He looks faster when he accelerates. He's got a little wiggle to go with his waggle, a little zip do da when he steps on the gas. Yeah. Um, and he's still got some power. He is a feature three back performer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, now whether he's he's not James Conner, uh, by my in my mind, at, you know anywhere near that yet. Um, but he is a good uh, number two back. Yeah, so you know one of the, one of the things that Mike Tomlin said is, 
we uh, we have been trying to have good days and maximize that. Uh, you know, good days and maximize that because one of the things that you, when you when you have no preseason, you've got to maximize uh, the uh, place from scrimmage. Oh, no question. Yeah, and it it's going to count for each and every guy. Look, we're coming down to the cuts. The cuts are happening this weekend. Right. The first cut is the deepest. Well, so is the, the last cut. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, because, uh, you know, you and I both know what it's like to, to get that word. Oops. Yeah. Right, you're out. Yeah. Um, the fact is, uh, for these guys, you only had a couple practices left, and these are just they're, – they're practically shells and pads. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of violent hitting going right. on yesterday. There were certain periods that that got a little bit, you know, a little, little more bang to them. But um, there there was not a heavy. It was very much like a Wednesday in season pad practice. Yeah, well, you know, and he said uh, there's a certain unknown in this environment. Yes. Yeah, and uh, uh, and he says we're trying to focus on real football. And then, you know, that that's that's uh, it's huge What well, within the confines of what can be performed. That's the part of the problem. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the balance of going to hit and hitting and tackling and the balance of not getting your guys hurt. Right. That that is that's a fine line to that's walk. That's a fine line. Right. And you've got to. That's why Mike always talks about practice etiquette. Yeah. You know, even in an hour. <laughs> barbaric era if you want to call it that you know the medieval times yeah uh you know there was a practice etiquette to how you went about your business um sometimes you stretched it sometimes you you snapped it yeah <laughs> but, uh, the fact of the matter was there was certain kind of rules that you abided um they're a lot more difficult today i would say because you have to withhold so much more right and uh you know it, it's uh uh Practice when practice. challenge. We're talking about practice, pra you know, when, Alan Iverson. You know, you know one, one of the things that uh, practice is uh, a, a challenge because we, we were talking about that. Um, you don't want to get any guys hurt. You, you don't want to get any guys hurt. And right. that, that just like you don't want to get guys hurt in preseason. But you you look at your free agent rookies and you look at your uh, second teamers and and you evaluate them. Absolutely, it's a hard evaluation uh, now. Well, you think about it. The hard evaluation used to be the what the third game of the four preseason right. games uh, for us. And this is the one thing I think in my mind. I think this is the the thing that and I would miss most is the fact I don't feel like I've been tested before yeah. I go into that first game. Right. Remember, we came out – for us, it was game four. We'd go three, three and a half quarters. Right. And you knew, okay, I'm ready to go. I've wrapped right. up each week. I'm ready to go. Well, you're not so sure about that now. And for, for some of these guys, um, it may be a real eye-opener when uh, they head to New York. Yeah. Yeah, and it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a huge challenge. But it's going to be a challenge for all 32 teams. That's the great point. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. You're right on with that. It's it's going to be a challenge for all 32 teams, and uh, uh, it's it's going to be interesting the way uh, every team uh, wraps up for uh, well, the game. Again, it's going to come down, I think, 
coaching this year is going to be different than any other year, right. obviously. Okay, but some of the things are you got to keep reminding your people, like Mike Tomlin. I often hear because we can hear a lot now in the stadium when he's right. out there coaching up. But when he talks to, to the guys, saying, "Listen, everything is this, this is, and this," and remember. We're not alone in this. Everybody else is facing the same thing. Yeah. And that sort of perspective keeps you from running wild in your mind going, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm right on. I don't, you know, because you've got to have that inner sense of peace about, okay, I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. I'm locked and loaded. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the things I think Mike Tomlin is very good at making sure everybody's on the same page. You know, uh, I was watching uh, the NFL Network yesterday, and uh, they were at the Giants' practice. And I was watching Joe Judge, and I was watching uh, – Here come the judge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jason Garrett, uh, you know, was uh, – was the off is the offensive coordinator and right. and you know he he puts together some good running games uh, because he did as uh, in oh, Dallas yeah. Ezekiel Elliott and now he's got Sanquan Barkley and I think Sanquan is better than Ezekiel Elliott. He's he I tell you what the kid is amazing. Right. I mean what a stud. Yeah. I mean that guy can squat and power clean. He had like a 350, 400 pound power clean. Ridiculous! Wow. I mean, uh, just phew, out of my out of out of just blows blows my mind when you think about the power he can generate with his, you know, lower body, and it tells you everything about why he can cut like he does. Yeah, and and his quads are huge. Oh yeah, he's got gription like you can't believe. Yeah, you know, gription to quote Keith Willis, the great Skippy Willis. Yeah, yes. Inscription. All right. All right. All right. We're going to take a break uh, and we're going to be back right after this. He's Wolf. I'm touching. You are in the locker room. We weren't necessarily focused specifically on the Giants, even though we went through a mock structured game, um, regular season game Wednesday, uh, we were still just focused on our high volume things, things that we can execute in really all circumstances. There are a lot of unknowns about the Giants. It's the first game, there's no preseason, there are new staffs. Uh, so the things that we focus on in environments like this better be things that we can execute regardless of circumstance. And really that's what a that was our focus. It was more about us. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So, how hard is it with no film to know your opponent? I can't even conceptually really grasp it. Right. You're trying to wrap your brain around, number one, um, you can't have no video evidence of what they're going to run. And number two, 
you've got a new head coach with right. a new staff. Right. Uh, who knows what they, they will do. So, to me, you, you're really running into an unknown, and you're doing it uh, on a national stage. Right, right, That's, right. There's a lot of pressure coming up here. And, you know, and uh, Mike Tomlin, uh, I thought he was very uh, intelligent in referring to we're going to focus on ourselves. Right. We're going to get our, our uh, offense clicking. We're going to get our defense clicking. Uh, that's what he meant, and uh, uh, we're gonna uh, focus on ourselves. Well, the thing about it is, first of all, you got to focus on yourselves because you got nothing to right. tell you what the other guy's gonna do, right. other than presupposition and you know your best guess. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, there's only so many places you can line up a defensive guy. Only so many offensive formations you can line up in. Right. So. You've got to cover all those, you know, because it's not about, well, it's a 3-4, it's a 4-2, or it's the, the over, under, the, you know, the stack over, the stack over Q. <laughs> you know, you got to you got to know all those now because you've got to be prepared for anything that they would put out there. Right. And that's part of the problem, I would think, as a coach is addressing the possibilities. The possibilities are big. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh... – I'm gonna miss is watching film. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you you were always bloodshot coming in. Yeah, your eyes would be like, man, you need some bizine, you know. But uh, the fact is, we're gonna be this is gonna be flying blind for us. Yeah, you know, doing it as a, a broadcast team, you know. And I'm 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 really uh, I mean home games. I'll be in the front row. Right. You know. I mean, this is gonna be an odd view, and I'm gonna be at the opposite end from you. Um, and I don't even. I won't even have a vendor. Well, I mean, how can I get a burger and a dog or yeah, something? You know. Well, I mean, you I know, have to pack a lunch. The, the first game, you're going to be in the box with me. Oh, I am. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you you can't. Oh, wait a minute! It's an away game. Yeah, That's it's an right. away game. I got, okay, yeah, I, I was discombobulated there. Yeah, yeah. So the fact of the matter is, yeah, we're going to do that from the, any away games. We'll do from the the booth at least the first couple. Right. Right. You know, um, then we'll see where they go. They go. They talk about the possibility. Um, according to you know uh, Mr. Rooney, Art was talking this morning about and one of the articles I read, the door is still open right. with the governor. I mean, the possibility exists that before this season ends, they, they could start bringing fans in. So we'll see. Right, it's going to be interesting. It's very interesting. I hope the fans are able to come. Yeah, I mean, the the, the thought of being in it, we we talk about it every time. It's depressing being in Heinz Field watching the practice unfold and even when they were doing a simulated game and not experience the fans add so much juice right you know I, to me that's just like wow that's that, that that's hard yeah that's hard man yeah I, you got as a player you know this is going to be this going to be hard to mentally get yourself geared up i think yeah uh than in the past well you know one of one of the things that when they allow fans to come in uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a full house. They're, no, they're going to allow a, thir that, a right. third of the uh, uh, fans in right. and uh, social distancing and masks. And uh, I it, still think that thing with Philly I talked about yesterday, the cardboard cutouts that yeah. you can buy. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine a cardboard, cardboard cutout of me? Yeah. Just get a Chris Farley thing. <laughs> Chris Farley. Yeah, just put Chris Farley up John for me. John Candy. Oh, that would be great. How about, 
Uh, and and I was thinking something magical about the fifteenth year. I wanted to play fifteen. That was years. not. That, yeah, no, no. yeah, and uh, we but, had a conversation. If yeah, you remember about yeah. it? Yeah, you said don't do I it. Said, I, I said no. Yeah, no. he closed the show. Yeah, yeah, and so when I did um, uh, the uh, a video for replacing Mark Malone on Steelers uh, right. uh, uh, TV. Uh, pre-game show, right? Uh, uh, you know, I, I saw my face, and I said, <laughs> "You went from Tom Selleck to John Candy." That's it. That's yeah. it exactly. Yeah. Because the Mark's funny face thing was so fat. Your face. I remember when Matt Millen was 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 cutting on you, right? Because because your face like it, it like rising bread in in a bread pan coming out through your helmet and i, I face and, mask. and and i uh i had a tight helmet Very i like i i like the tight helmets <laughs> but your face was almost touching the face mask right. it looked like yeah. and it was funny and so matt millen was bagging on you going hey hey ralphie boy ralphie boy he said you look like ralph cramden right <laughs> from the honeymoon and i did well it it you know what we all had big faces back then right right well, some of us still do. <laughs> But let's not go there, shall yeah, we? I'm not going to go there. <laughs> the important thing that you that uh, you know I think about this is that it's going to be you know across the board for all 32 teams, and it's not going to be an advantage unless, of course, you have the Chan Gailey talking about the guy, uh, the Homer sitting up there in the booth, you know, with the ambient sound, and he might dial up the yeah. sound a little bit, uh, you know, over the 80 decibels that will be allowed. Yeah, but you know. But think you know where you know where it could really affect what? Seattle and Kansas City, because right? Because they, Seattle's so loud and Kansas City. Yeah, you're so talking loud. about 142 decibels yeah. were recorded in Arrowhead Stadium. That's a long way from the 80 decibels that will be played if they actually do that. Yeah. And by the way, I told the story on Steelers.com yesterday. You remember when we were in uh, the Metro Dump in Minneapolis, and you were trying to prototype out for the earpiece, yeah. Uh, from so the quarterback, you could hear the snap count at tackle. And remember what happened in the huddle? Yeah, it was just going crazy. Remember you had the music, yeah, the, the, the elevator music, music playing yeah. in your head. Yeah, <laughs> elevator music playing in my head and uh, uh, screeching. Yes. Yeah. I told him, I go, and he's in the huddle, and he's banging his helmet in his hand against his ear, you know, the helmet side of it where the, where the prototype is. And he's going, I can't believe it. There, there's music in there. It's screeching. And we go to the sidelines. You're slamming your helmet on the ground going, get that crap out of there. Get that, <laughs> get that thing out of my helmet. Exactly. But, you know, in theory, it was a good idea. Yes. Yeah. They just didn't have the technology at that right. point in time. Yeah, I think they have the technology now. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, you I know, don't know why they wouldn't use it. Yeah, I, think, to I, I me. don't know why they wouldn't use it at all. Because they, because they want crowd noise to be a factor. I would guess. Yes, that would still be because that keeps the fans involved. I still think that, um, well, yeah, I go back and forth because you do get it at Heinz Field. You do have that opportunity to, you know, create your own, uh, you know, crazy fans. And, and it's, kind right. of, it's kind of part of the um, – the, the colorful history of the NFL, if, if you will. Right, right, right. You know, crowd noise is, uh, uh, is a yeah, factor. Yeah, and, and the crazy fans. Remember Crazy George? Yeah. You know, down in Houston with yeah, the Tom-Tom? Yeah, he used to play. He used to uh, hammer that Tom-Tom. Uh, yeah, exactly. And remember Webby saying, I like to turn him into a popsicle. Yeah. 
<laughs> Stick, put that thing where the sun well, don't shine. Because Webby hated it. Because yeah. you know the guy was just he was on mic. Yeah, you know, he was. He, he kept he, yelling he, at Mike he, and he was pounding that oh. uh, drum. Oh, like crazy. Yeah, and uh, the fans were. You know, every time he hit it, the fans would scream. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd get them going really, really loud. Right, right. And back then, we didn't have any, you know, snap count that uh, you could put on, use on the clock or raising the center's head, anything like that. You had to listen to the quarterback, and that was extremely difficult. Yeah. And you know, when uh, the, the Houston Astrodome, people smoked in it. Oh, it's terrible. And, and the, the, the smoke would hang above Remember the that? football field. All those, all those uh, as you call them, rednecks back in the day. Yeah. You know, the filterless cigarettes they'd, they'd, they'd smoke, man. Yeah. Oh, and it was like a cloud hanging over the field. Right. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, he's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the locker room, and we'll be back after this. You know, it wasn't anything conscious in terms of ramping up his workload. Man, James has had a good camp and, and has done good work. We've removed him from some of the tackle football in terms of team run. But it, that's not about him. That's just to get more exposure to some of the younger guys that we know less about, to check the evolution of Benny Snell, to, to get to know Anthony McFarland, if you will. So that's kind of been our focus. It's been a good preseason for him. We expect that guy to be ready to go. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So, Mike Tonner, uh, Tomlin was talking about uh, James Conner. And uh, James has had a great camp. And he has uh, spelled him uh, from tackling because they wanted to get to know uh, Benny Snell. Uh, and they wanted to get to know uh, Anthony McFarland. So what do you think about those two guys? Well, obviously, one of the, one thing he referred to was the evolution of Benny Snell. Right. And that's talking about the fact that he came in, came in great shape, dropped some LBs. Right. It's shown to have more of an all-around game than last year. He's really picked up the offense and doing some great things. Um, and the fact that he wants to find out about Anthony McFarland. What can he do? What is right. he capable of doing? What are his weaknesses? I also like how he painted the picture because one of the things that, that James doesn't need probably is more banging. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, uh, I mean, there's there's got to be a fine line between preparing your body for the right. ballistic forces that you're going to encounter on the field and then over-preparing. We were definitely on the over-preparing. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? But I, The funniest I, I part, I still it. think about you. The funniest thing about you is when you didn't wrap your ankles anymore. Yeah. Because you sprained them so much. You could roll your ankles, and it was like, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I can roll my ankle and <laughs> no, not that, sprain it. That's having a body that's prepared for ballistic forces. Right, yeah. You know, and you think about some But of, I would spat. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you know, I mean, I think about when when uh, I got rolled up and you know the, locked up with a guy and got rolled up in the back, and my head practically touched my heels, bending backwards. Right. You know, and then you know, it looks bad. It looks like a car accident. But you come out of it and you go, oh, okay, everything's still together. Yeah. You know, so, but for James, um, probably a little lesser is, is maybe in this crazy year, it's not a bad idea. Right. Especially when you got other young guys that can come up and take some of the workload. Yeah. And, and Mike Tomlin has been, been a big proponent of giving uh, veterans the day off because he right. wants to see the young guys play. Right. Yeah. He wants to evaluate the young guys. No question about it. Now, Back in our day, uh, you know, if Chuck wanted to see more of the young guys, he'd put them in there, but you wouldn't give you the day off. Yeah. You know, it would be, hey, he'd call out names that he wanted to see in matchup and reps and everything else. But the fact is, um, you know, with James, James looks solid. He looks ready to go. Benny looks solid, ready to go. Right. We don't know enough. I don't think, well, I don't know enough yet about Anthony McFarlane. I do have some hopes about using that speed because yeah. there's something great about you and I both know what it's like to have a guy go 80 yards and be stopped two yards short in the end zone. Right. You're like, oh, no, finish it out. I don't want to be – fat guys should not have to run all the way down there and line up and then run another play. Let us sashay our way down there for the extra point. Right. You know, take it to the house, yeah. baby. Yeah. Don't get caught short. So um, David DeCastro was still missing from practice on Wednesday. Does that concern you, or are you uh, that, worried? Yeah, that concerns me uh, because you know it's a lower uh, lower body injury, and I I just don't know what uh, what injury it is. Yeah, it, it does make me have a pause um, because uh, you know they don't talk about it much, right. you know, and everybody's this year. The injuries have been secretive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everything is on the down low, Chalucha. Right. I mean, you can't find out anything going on. And especially when you, when we get to, you know, when you're down on the field, you see what's going on. You know, you can see if a guy's got a little hitch in his get-along. You see the trainers working on a guy. However, you know what's going on. You know, and just by their walk, many times you can tell what, what's going on. Or you saw what caused it in the first place. Yeah. Um, but with David, it's a little bit of a mystery. Um, but I will say this, and I said this yesterday on Steelers TV, it doesn't bother me that David's not getting to work. If anybody can can be able to line up the day on, on game day yeah. with no work, Dave would be one of those guys I'd say was capable of doing it. Right. You know, I've done that. It's not an easy thing. It's a weird, weird feeling. And you, you're fill, filled with a little bit of anxiety over what if what if everything left me? What if I had no ability anymore all of a sudden? Well, I've not worked it at all. I, I, I would be worried. If, if you that have that was anxiety, me. yeah. Yeah, I would be worried. Have yeah. you ever done that? No. Did you ever? Okay. I, one time when I was out, you know, with the with an injury and I was out for a couple of weeks. And I literally, I, I might have had a couple of, of uh, plays, and I don't even think I had, I think I, I did it in individual, and I was done. And then the next time I suited up was uh, for a game in Dallas, and it was very, and it was preseason, but it was very weird to, you know, your first real hit yeah. came uh, right before a game started. And, you know, uh, I, I'm interested to see how David DeCastro uh, fights no question. Um, and I hope that it's not something limiting his 
ability to move. Look, he pulls so very well. Right. One of the things that you have with Dave DeCastro, I mean, we can go back to that epic game in Cincinnati and, and uh, when, when he pulled like 16 times from the right guard position. Right. When they ran the equivalent of a 37 trap or a flow 37, whatever you want to call it. And Cotter 37. Whatever it was, yeah. you know, and, and he and Lev Bell were, were just taking it to him, and it was spectacular. And over and over, and one of the things that David does so very well is his mobility. He's strong. He's agile. He's fast. Um, he, he's an excellent pass protector. Yeah, yeah, he's a good player. He is. He is an excellent player, and I greatly appreciate the skill set that he brings to bear. And it it does worry me that he, you know, his availability might be questionable going into the Giants right. game. And so uh, Steph Wisniewski also. Um, was uh he gives me great solace yeah because if you're going to have a dave de castro who's um you know having some issues whatever the injury is, injury injury issue is yeah you have steph wisniewski and this guy is no stranger to the, the big stage right right I mean, he is a well, excellent was, his, was he hurt or did he get a, a veteran's i think he day had a veteran's day off yeah. i would be my guess right you know i mean the one thing you want to see because mike as you pointed out mike talks so much about Giving a guy a veteran day off so you can see the younger guys. Kevin Dotson. Yeah. You know, Kevin Dotson we're coming back to, but Kevin Dotson has strung a couple of nice days back together. Yeah. He's, you know, don't, I'm not going crazy about it, but I'm encouraged by what I see from the young man. Um, I always want to say, prove me, you know, let me see it, prove me right. I want to see what you got, but um, I like what I've seen though so far. Let, let's go to the phone. CR from Chicago. No, no, no. So we, 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 we have nobody. Guess. We, we, we got guess. waved off. Yeah, we've got Dead waved zoots. off. Okay. So moving back to that, um, you, you talk about, uh, you know, David, his availability, yeah. uh, being in question. Um, Steph is a guy that you could plug and play. So I don't have any worries. I just wonder, um, I wonder if uh, you're going to get Kevin any any reps, yeah. you know, early in the season. Well, I, I if that's a possibility, I think, even I think David, uh, uh, you know, you think he'll be ready. Yeah, I wouldn't I, doubt it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's why you're keeping him out. Maybe it's just a twinge, a tweak, uh, something or other. Cam Canada, uh, Cam Canada was a partial participant, uh, and he's uh, working his way back from a knee injury. Uh, and uh, defensive end Chris Wormley, shoulder, was a full-time participant yesterday. We started to see Chris Wormley get some action. Yeah. I'm glad to see it. Yeah. You know, we've not seen him perform at all, basically, during training camp. What did you see? Yeah. I, I, I saw, um, you know, he, his hands, uh, you know, I, I, I think his shoulder's still hurting. You think so? Yeah. Because he, he didn't he didn't uh, shoot him like uh, yeah he didn't shoot okay. him like he did okay okay now that's that's interesting I thought he I first of all he runs so very well right um but I, I was not really paying attention with the thought in mind that his shoulder could be buggerating him um he looks you know he he looks like he was ready to go but all right I, I can see that there was a couple times when he took the easy way back door rather than crossing the face you know when you turn and run to the ball. Yeah, um, that maybe the shoulder pressure was a little bit too much for him. I don't know. Yeah, so you know what when when on he his was inside lockout when, when he about. was working on the uh, uh, sled, he was working his good shoulder. Okay, 
Yeah. I love on the sled when they bang, they bang that two-way, and then you got an assistant there to bang like he's a, a double team. Right. You know, you get those guys hunkered down dog against the double team. I thought that was uh, – that's that's a nice little addition when, well, of course, back in the day we used to double team live. <laughs> yeah. We, did, we didn't hit – well, we did hit sleds, but we – You heard when Terry Long said, I can play nose tackle and, and Brian Blankenship and was it Chuck Lanza? Yeah. When they double teamed him. <laughs> <laughs> Terry, the whole time he's sitting there going, "I can do it. I can. I can play nose tackle." Because he played, I, I think, in college for a little while. And and Brian Blankenship and Chuck Lanza double teamed him. They crushed. Yeah. <laughs> Terry, Terry took a lot of heat in the in the meeting room. If right, you remember that. Right. Oh my heavens. I miss T-Bone. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah, I love that guy, too. Oh, my gosh. So many good guys. Uh, All right. We're going to take a break. uh, And uh, when we come back, we'll have Jerry Dulac, the Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze coming up. Yeah. The Locker Room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So we're back. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the Locker Room. And when we play Breezin by George Benson, it could be no other than Jerry Dulac uh, of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and Steelers Nation Radio. Jerry, Thank you for coming uh, on with us. How you doing, buddy? Well, fellas, good morning. I am uh, I am well, and it's uh, always a treat for me to be on with you guys in the locker room, even though we're never in the locker room. Yeah, that's and for we'll you know. The rest of this year. Yeah, that's right. I didn't even think about it. This is the only locker yeah. room we're gonna know. <laughs> you got that right. I don't see that changing. Uh, you know, this year at all, to be perfectly honest. So, Jerry, when you look. Over phase one, phase two, phase three, whatever you want to call this whole run up to camp is, what does it leave you as a as a thirty thousand foot view going into a game week? What what do you think you can we can glean from what we've seen thus far? You know that's a, that's a good question, Wolf. Because typically, whenever we are at training camp, the validation we get from what we see comes in the form of a preseason game which then gives us some, some measure to glean what we could expect possibly in the regular season. So without that validation of a preseason game, we can see certain things. And obviously with you two, your eye is more professionally trained from a, a performance standpoint on the field than mine. Um, so we can have some feelings and some observations and thoughts but until we see it against, you know, uh, uh, big-time yeah. right tackles or big-time defensive linemen or, or big-time bump-and-run corners or whatever the case may be, we can, have, we can see hope and promise, but we're never going to get that, uh, that justification until we see a game. And so that, that, that's, the, that's probably the biggest difference we're going on right now, and that's about all we can really do right now is – is see some things, think that that person shows promise, 
but always couched with the with the notion that hey, we got to see it in a game. You know, Jerry, uh, that's a great point. And uh, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, we were uh, talking about is I think the first couple of games throughout the league is going to be uh, you know offensively challenged because uh, the defense uh, creates more, more cohesion than the offense does. And, uh, you know, although we saw a, a very effective running game yesterday, but it was against yeah. the number twos. Right. And, and, and um, you know, it's the, it's the adage that, uh, you know, the pitching will always stop good hitting and the pitching is always ahead of the hitters, uh, you know, in the preseason and early in the season. And I agree. Um, I think the defenses will, will will see you know defenses uh, you know dominating might be a strong word but being more in control early in the year. I think in past years, Tunch, no, I'd have to go back and look at this, but I'd be I'm almost certain that in the past couple years and especially two years ago, that scoring was way up in the first quarter of the season. The opposite was true. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case now. Um, but I would tend to agree with you. And, and to your point about the running game, that was kind of my earlier point, uh, somewhat of my earlier point that I was making that, that it looks, you know, it did. It looked good. There were some big holes. James Conner looked terrific. Um, hitting the hole quick, cutting sharp, which we know he can do. But it's it's entirely different story when you're doing it against a first-rate defense or a, front, a number one defense as opposed to, to a number two defense uh, on your own team. You know, Jerry, I never thought in terms of validation of point of view with a preseason. That's really that. That's I got to tell you, that's that's pretty brilliant, buddy. I mean, you know, coming from big that's, thinkers like me, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, well, that's that's why I'm here to possibly enlighten you if I can. That, that's all right. He's doing a great job. So, with that in mind, might we think of the first two, three games? as being almost um, preseason-ish with the thought of using the 16-man practice squad more as a, um, I don't know how I want to put it, uh, more as a, you know, uh, using those six spots, obviously, for young veterans maybe, stashing people on there that maybe you're, you're unsure of right now, but in a couple weeks based on the validation or non-validation, it, it, to me, it's going to be interesting. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, and I, I don't think there's any question, Wolf. I, I think, I think the roster, and of course, this is a lot of times is the case, but I think more so this year. I think the roster, the 53 man you see for the New York Giants game, that in a matter of two weeks, not going to say it's going to look completely different because that's not the case. But I think as we evolve early in the first month that you could see that, um, you know, being being altered because they don't have a lot of answers. Now, that being said, where they're going to err on the side of caution is by keeping guys that they know what they can do right. over somebody who they think, you know, this guy intrigues us, but we don't know what he can do in a game. Now, that's not the case with Alex Highsmith. That's not the case with Jake, Chase Claypool. That's not the case with Kevin Dodson. Dodson, you can rubber stamp those guys on the team. But I think, uh, I, and I still believe, and, and you know, you guys can answer this question, not in terms of what you think, but what you see. I still think possibly their best five offensive linemen include 
Stefan Wisniewski at left guard and Matt Filer at right tackle. Um, uh, so, but, but I think that's a case where you could see obviously some manipulation going on, but, but they're going to go with who they know right now for these first couple games and for their, for their 53 man roster. Absolutely. I have long said that they're going to put their best five out there. And if, right, if right. Zach and Chooks don't settle the issue over the next couple of weeks, um, do not be surprised that Matt would be back out there and Stefan uh, being in at left guard. Now, the other thing is the guy that intrigues you, I, I like how you said that, the guy that intrigues you but you don't know enough about, a guy like Ola. Ola would be a guy a couple of years ago. He was intriguing. I mean, he had, you know. He was Mike Campfino. Yeah, exactly. Even though you right, lost, right, right. lost last no, year. No, I didn't. I no, went, you lost, you lost I last year. I won with Ola. Two years, no, that was two years ago. Yeah, but I, I won, won last Ola. year. Just to let you know, yeah. I won. I'm on a winning streak, Jerry. So, you know, I got, I'm got. i one year winning streak. So we stick with that. Yeah, but, one and 17. <laughs> okay, so 117 and one, mind yeah. you. There was a tie. So, <laughs> we're not brothers, are we? We argue about everything. So the point being is a guy like Ola might not have the same opportunity this year as he had a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, and I think because, um, you know, when they draft guys high, especially their first two picks. Now, I know they, they, they were two and three, not one and two, but they were their first two picks. And based on what they've seen in camp, but regardless, they are going to give Alex Highsmith a look. Is he going to play 20 mm-hmm. snaps? No, but they want to get him on the football field to find out if what they think and what they have seen on a somewhat limited basis uh, is is correct. And and so, you know, now what we've seen at Chase Claypool, look, we know I'll be shocked if this guy is not a contributor in, yeah. and in many cases in a big-time way. Um, but Alex Highsmith, you know, he looks like a Steeler outside linebacker. He put a mm-hmm. spin move either way. Yeah, he yeah. Put a, that, that was a and, great spin move. And that was that was a quick spin move. That wasn't some phony lane spin move. That was a quick move. Right. And even the guys were hooting and hollering. So, and I think they're going to look at Highsmith at the expense to a degree of Ola. Um, you know, this is Ola's third year, and you know, and this is a case with Marcus Allen. You know, the, the lone exception is Dan McCullers. But you get three years in this league, and if you haven't shown by the end of your rookie contract with most of those guys, it's three years, the, the lower picks. If you haven't shown that you are going to develop, then then they go find another guy in the draft or whatnot who maybe they will develop. And so that's why I think this is an important year for Marcus Allen. Um, they released him last year, if you guys recall. Well, they're giving him a shot at that uh, sub-package uh, dime linebacker. And, and that may be his, his way to make this team. But to a degree, I don't want to say old is in the same boat, but because they really don't have anybody else. I know twos are skippers out there, but he has some assignment standpoints that they're not comfortable with using him in a game. I don't think Ola has that as much. But they're going to want to look at Alex Highsmith and see, you know, go back to the validation. The coaches need validation too. Right. They can look at all the practice film and, and watch practice and notes and meetings. But they want to see it in a game, too. So that's those games are going to be validation for them as well. So uh, one of the things I want to ask you, uh, Jerry, is uh, we've got five new coaches 
Kevin Stefanski, uh, Matt Rule, Joe Judge, and those three guys are young guys, first-time uh, uh, head coaches. Now, uh, uh, Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy, uh, I think, will adjust better than them, but I think right. those three will have a, a, a lot of trouble adjusting because there was no offseason, no OTAs, no mini camps, and no uh, preseason games. I agree with you, Tunch, and I think that, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk who has an advantage. I don't know if it's an advantage or not, but I think it is, and I think the Steelers have, I think Baltimore's the same way. Uh, you know, when you have a coach who's been around for a while, right. and you have a lot of your starters returning. And I, I, I don't recall, Bells, if I pointed this up or not. The Steelers, when you count their specialists, have 24 starters returning. Now, I'm including Ben and Stephon Tewitt in that. And I don't think um, I don't think any other team in the league has that many starters returning. So, in the environment in which the league is being played right now, with all the restrictions and limitations, with spring practice and mini camps and preseason games, the the stable teams with the with the most returning starters, veteran players, if you will, um, to me, they will have an advantage because especially. Those rookie head coaches, you know, not only not having practices, let's face it, they weren't even around the players. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, you have right. virtual meetings, but that's different than face-to-face, -face, as right. you well know. And so, to me, they're, they are starting at, at – there's no question they're starting at a disadvantage. And, and I think the Steelers are among the few teams, but they are one of them, uh, that, that have an advantage, and you could argue the point that they might they might be in a position of having the greatest advantage of all because of their coach and their staff and um, the amount of veterans, uh, amount of starters they have returning. Jerry, think about this. Did you ever think going into the first game of the season, your only video evidence of your opponent has to do with the head coach doing a grease pig slide drill, recovering a fumble. That's all you got. I mean, that's the only video evidence Amen. you have of the Joe Judge Giants. Yeah, and and you know what, Jerry, uh we're we're uh, uh we're we we want uh We need video, film. baby. We, 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 need we need video. Film. We we need film and uh it's it's not going to be uh available. Yeah, you guys are you guys are definitely operating from a disadvantage. Uh, for your game day prep, and then it's going to be even worse because you're not going to be able to be uh, at the game. And, uh, right. you know, I mean, that's what we're dealing with, fellas, and it's different for everybody. It affects everybody, usually 99.9% .9 of the time in a negative way. And um, <clears throat> that's the world we're living in, and that's the, uh, and, uh, the sports environment, the NFL environment that we have to kind of ferret our way through this year. And it's, uh, yeah. Not a lot, it's, it isn't. It's not a lot of fun, and it's tedious, but it's tedious for everybody, and that includes the players and the coaches and go right through the or, entire organization. Jerry, uh, we're down to, what do we get, a minute or something like that? Um, Got to ask you, when are the cutdowns? Are they they're this weekend? Is it Saturday or Sunday? Do you know? Yeah, no, it's Saturday. I don't know. I think it's 4 o'clock. Okay. Um, you know, when you think of it, they're at 80, and, you know, with 16 players on the practice squad, 53-man roster, you're, you're, you know, I don't want to make it as simplistic to say you're talking about 11 players because that's mm -hmm. 69 that the Steelers will account for because some of those guys obviously have to clear waivers. 
Um, you know, so I mean, look, we could we could sit down right now and cut eleven players in, yeah. in the next minute. If we would need a roster to do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but so some of those guys are going to have to clear waivers. But um, uh, yeah, it's and again that's different too. And I think to your point earlier, Wolf, I, I think it was a good move on the part of the league to allow the six veteran players, sixteen players yeah. on the practice squad, right? You know, and six of those are those veteran players that they've added. And I I just think uh, that was a good move on the league's part, just because of the uncertainty and not only that fellas i mean look you're going from whatever speed those players are practicing at and i don't want to i don't want to quantify it and, and put a number on it um but i i really doubt with the veteran players it's 100 percent. but whatever number it is they're now going to go to the to a regular season game no preseason game no tune-up no warm-up no getting bumped and they're going to go 110 miles an hour and injuries are going to happen more yeah. so early in the season than they ever have more than likely, more than likely. If you're a betting man, you could probably figure that's going to happen. And so having those additional veteran players uh, on the practice squad, um, I, that's why I just think it was, it's a good move. And, of course, that's the reason why they did it, among other reasons. And so um, I, I think that's going to be significant uh, for all the teams early in the year. Yeah, uh, Jerry, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, you uh, brought in a great point that uh, you're going to see injuries uh, early in the season. Sooner than later. Uh, yeah, sooner than later. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think because uh, you, you've not, not, have, you, you've the not had the intensity, yeah. the callousing effect, the right. uh, uh, sharpening of the sword. Uh, and uh, I, I, I agree with you, Jerry. we got to roll, brother. Yeah. All, All right. right, boys. All Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you, Jerry. All right. Talk That's to you Jerry soon. Du- that was Jerry Dulac giving us the cool breeze. Giving yeah, us from the Keysport. I know. What you don't know about Jerry is always that wherever he goes, there's a breeze blowing at his That's back. right. You know, and he lives in McKee. He grew up in McKeesport. And I lived in McKeesport the, uh, my right. summer Gusek. of my rookie year. Gus. All right. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with more calls. He's Wolf. I'm Tootsie. You're in the locker room. even know if I've looked at it that way. I've just been trying to have really good days and and maximize that. 
um, there's a certain unknown in this environment and I respect that and, and more than anything uh, we try to focus on making the days that we do have productive with the knowledge that we're pushing forward toward real football and I think all of us have had that mentality since July 21st or whatever when we when we checked into this process. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So Mike was talking about, uh, you know, focusing on the days and focusing on the practice and uh, building, you know, but he didn't say that, but, it, but he, you know, you, you can hear right. it in his voice. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the thing about this pandemic and uh, the challenges that it brings is you got you you've got to focus you get the ki- the the guys got to focus and uh, and the coaches got to focus but the coaches are focused oh yeah 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 it's not you know the thing that's interesting about it is this season or non-season off season I should say has created a situation where it hurts a lot of players because right. what I go back to what Jerry said you know you don't have that ability to reach out and take a chance on a guy maybe like an old a couple years ago right you know where you're intrigued by him yeah you know it's intriguing to see and i think it happens it's going to happen with the veterans now like uh, rosie nix yeah rosie nix got cut by the colts right and frank reich said and i thought he said very still he said look we're, we want him in he's a good football player it's not his fault we had to release him because we're a one-back offense we wanted to get more two-back offense going yeah because there's a lot more pro- productivity that's involved in that but we don't have the time because we have no off season to be able to install the two back offense. Right. Yeah. You know, and and you're looking at it going, Rosie's got to be going. Yeah, that's great. Right. You know, yeah, I mean, you know because you you don't want to be a two back offense. Yeah. I'm cut. Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm cut. Yeah. Install one play. Just yeah. one play. Give one me one play, play for me, but to dig a, to dig the linebacker out. Yeah. Or to, to kick out the outside linebacker. You know, it's interesting, Chaluch, because. According to Walter Sharp of Sharp Football, of the eight personnel groupings used 100-plus times, the number one most efficient personnel grouping was the two-back, one-tight-end offense. Right. It's coming back. Fullback. Yeah. Fullback. Yeah. No doubt about it. And given – think of this. The two teams that used the the two-back, one-tight-end offense so much, the fullback, were the 49ers, 28% of the plays, and the Minnesota Vikings, 21% of the plays. And they were they were two of the best rushing football teams, and both teams reached the postseason. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, um, uh, and, two back uh, offense see, coming uh, back. Seattle uses that too. Yeah, Seattle uses. But it. they just highlighted yeah. these, those two. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to the phones. Four one two nine one nine one three one six. Let's go to CR in Chicago. CR, welcome to the locker room, bro. What's going on, guys? See you all from Chicago. How the heck are you this morning, man? Fabulous. We're great. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I was just um, uh, listening to um, the Cool Breeze. Mm-hmm. I just want to feed off the stuff that he was talking about because I think it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, and I agree with all of you guys that, uh, you know, this, this is a unique season. This is going to be a season that has never been before right. based on all the challenges that we've got. And the thing about that is that every team out there is in the same boat. Nobody yeah. has an advantage to some degree over everybody else as far as training, looking at personnel, developing uh, 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 tandems that you want to play. 
And um, the, the the teams that come back with the most players from last year uh, are going to have an advantage, especially on the defense. I said all that to say this. Uh, the Steelers are going to raise some havoc on some people because I think our defense intact, not counting the new personnel, uh, was already learning to work together. They had a little time this year to kind of come together and then to tie in the, the new people with that. So I think we're going to have an advantage in those first critical games, those first three, possibly four critical games. Our defense, I think, and I hope that they're going to give us an advantage to our offense and come together. Give me some feedback on that. Yeah, I, I agree with you, CR. And uh, one of the things that uh, uh, the Steelers got a great head coach, Mike Tomlin, and they've got great assistant coaches. On the defensive side, Keith Butler, Jerry Osaski, John Mitchell, uh, and, uh, um, you know, uh, Carl Dunbar uh, and uh, Tom Bradley and Terrell Austin, uh, Terrell Austin. Uh, you know what? The, 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 the three played, Carl Dunbar, Butsy, and Jerry Osaski. They played in the, uh, in the NFL. And uh, and Tom Bradley played at Penn State, and Tara Austin played at Pitt, uh, and so they're very knowledgeable. And that's a veteran coaching staff, and so they're going to get those guys ready to play. And here's the other thing about it: they know their people, right? You know, they know their guys. They they're known quantities. So interactions and trying to create that team atmosphere—it's already there. So. Those those are all big things. You know, experienced coaches, experienced players uh, translates into experienced games, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I think they're going to be uh, uh, good because uh, they're uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And then Ben coming back, Ben's hungry. Uh, James Connor's hungry. Juju Smith uh, Schuster is hungry. Those guys are all hungry. Because they they uh, missed a lot of last season. But we need a couple of wins to validate it. Right. <laughs> As Jerry would say. Yeah, you got that right. And you talking about uh, uh, our coach being an excellent coach. Yeah, I was reading a, a book the other day. I'm not going to call the name of it. But uh, in there, somebody was saying that Chuck Noll was in a situation once, and uh, he was about to uh, uh, kick, uh, kick, a punt, uh, kick the return ball back to, to the – defense out uh, to the other team right and uh they call up from the from the press box and it said uh, that was no, houston i don't think i was yeah. that was the defense that was the wild card game in houston and rod rust uh called down to uh uh chuck, uh, chuck because chuck was gonna punt yep. he wasn't gonna uh, mm -hmm. kick the field goal uh, because he thought it was out of uh, Gary Anderson's range, and uh, right. Rod Russ called down and said, "We we can't stop him we anymore, stop Chuck." Him again. Yeah, and so yeah. so and he called timeout and uh, uh, ran uh, Gary Anderson out there. And I went up to Gary Anderson. I said, "There's nobody, <laughs> there's nobody I would rather have than you kicking this field goal." Yeah, yeah. So, and then, uh, and then you know, uh, and then all the Houston Oilers were crying, and I was yelling, standing over Ray Childress and Doug Smith, and I was going, "Oh, how's the pain? How bad does it hurt? How's the pain? How bad does it hurt?" <laughs> Not that Tunch likes to smack talk at all, you know. 
<laughs> no, like I said, I was, I was doing some reading. I've been doing a lot of reading here lately. That's as far as I'm going to say about that right now. But in any case, uh, I thought it was good input. And I think it tied into right now what you were saying about the coaches. So the master coach has to let his assistant coaches coach because if he's going to be the dominant right. uh, person and not going to listen to them, why have them out there, you know? Yeah, so Mike lets lets his assistants coach. You know, you have power. Right, yeah, you, you he's he's a he's a great coach and he is yeah, and he's friends with all the assistant coaches. You know, that, that always yeah. helps. Yeah, that's that always helps. <laughs> all right, we got to roll, right, buddy. Let me back out. In the meantime, in between time, here we go Steelers. Here we go. Thank you, CR. Thanks, CR. God bless you, buddy. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, that, 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 that point is the most experienced teams, I think, are going to play better. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. Again, known quantities. Yeah. Known coaching staff, players known by the coaches who yeah. know what they can do. I mean, you got a big advantage. I think, yeah. you know, yeah. forget the noise thing. Yeah. It's about people. Staffs that know their people. Yeah. So uh, we're get, we've got JT Thomas uh, JT. at the top of the hour. Uh, he's Wolf. I'm Tunch. And you are in the locker room. We'll be right back after this. The Locker Room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. So, we're back. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the Locker Room. And we have a very special guest on. Our brother, former teammate. uh, Played in the NFL for 10 years. Nine years with the Steelers. And one year with the Denver Broncos. And uh, he was uh, a four-time Super Bowl champ and uh, pro bowler, J.T. Thomas. J.T., welcome to the locker room, brother. Good morning, my friend. How you been doing? I've been <laughs> better than I deserve. And you know what else, J.T.? You can get up there and sing with them guys that we had, uh, you know, and the bumper music coming in, couldn't you? Huh? Well, I, well, I can carry a tune. Put it that way. <laughs> I know you can. Yeah, I've heard you, you. You can sing and you can play the piano. Well, you know what? You got to have something in your downtime when you're a ball player, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I pretend those uh, keys are people, and that's how I've spent my frustration. <laughs> <laughs> JT, you came into a golden time. When you look at the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, you were taken 24th overall in 1973. Could mm-hmm. you possibly uh, – could you look back and, and say, I, I knew there was greatness coming in 1973 to this organization? I didn't know that the Steelers were even looking at me. I never heard of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I I never got a phone call, a letter, a brochure, a visit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, so I wasn't thinking about Pittsburgh. I mean, they went on my radar screen. Wow. It was very interesting. No, I, I thought maybe Miami, Green Bay, uh, you know, Dallas. But Pittsburgh, I mean, they hadn't won anyway, so who was looking at Pittsburgh? <laughs> I think uh, it was my, their first year of winning was my uh, senior year, which was 1972, when Franco arrived. Yeah. So, I mean, they went on my radar screen, and, and they hadn't talked to me. But that show you how, uh, what should I say, conniving and... <laughs> <laughs> Still as can be and, and smart. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, uh, JT, you told a great story um, when we were at uh, the men's conference up in uh, uh, up north, and you talked about uh, your the 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 players uh, crazy and uh, mature, and you know, you know, you told that story. Uh, when you re- you you went over the left to right uh, players, do you remember that story? You mean in terms of just the uh, the, the the psychology profile of the defense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh well, you know you have to look at that, and what people don't really know, all those guys had Chuck Noll's psychology. If you think <laughs> about it, I mean, I mean that that was Chuck. He was a he was, uh, I guess, a conglomerate of all of that. But, yeah, I mean, if you looked at our defense, uh, it was divided in half for the most part. The left side was kind of a calm side. You know, you know, these guys, these not the guys that went to Roselle office for fighting every Monday. You know, back then you got to fight, you on the fight, you had to go to the office with the commissioner, and they watch you fight. Well, on, the, on our side you had myself. You know, I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm smiling at everybody. Ham, <laughs> he just happened to be out there. Uh, having a good time. Wags, you know, Wags is very studious and serious. <laughs> LC, you know, he's just trying to get out the game and, you know, and, and, and you know, he's Hollywood. <laughs> uh, the, the, the problem starts as, then, you know, as you get towards, after you, after you leave LC, you get towards Joe and then it starts to change. The whole, <laughs> the whole psychology starts to shift. <laughs> I mean, I mean, drastically. Uh, Green, uh, you know, you know, Green spit in people's faces. I mean, when they say he was mean, I mean, that, that was no lie. He was mean. Like, he turned to a nice guy after he drank a few Coca Colas. But, right. like, but um, so it started to transition there, and then you get to the middle linebacker. You got Lambert. Well, Lambert's kind of guy that you probably hired to be assassin. You know, that type of guy. You I mean he's that? Profile, and 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 obviously Ernie Holmes. You know, it, it's getting it's, it's getting deep now. Uh, Ernie, uh, a lot of times in our huddles, we only had a a ten man huddle. Ernie was on the line of scrimmage, you know, uh, doing his own thing, and Lambert said, "Fats, get your butt in the huddle." Well, he didn't come in the huddle. Fats on one of his own plays, and he's talking to the teammates, talking about he's gonna break people's leg. That's what we. Had. A lot of times we watch the film, you know, Fats on the ball, we in the huddle calling the play. That was it. And Dwight White now. Dwight was. He talked three hours. Everybody was holding Dwight. Dwight was bitching the whole game about something. He was refereeing, calling people out, talking about people's mama playing the dozens. That was Dwight. And, and you get in the secondary now, Glenn Eric was in. Now, Glenn was from FAMU, and we was called him Naughty Pine, and he had a forearm. You know, Glenn had knocked a few quarterbacks out. He had death threats, you know. you know, He had a secret service on some games because of death threats. And you know, my friend, Mel Blunt, who was, oh. um, we called him Soup because he was for Supra, 
he thought he was actually a thoroughbred. I mean, he just he thought he he was not he was not a real person in his own mind. He was he was soup. Uh, he would come in instead of uh, letting the trainers wrap his ankles and you know put salves on them. Male come in with horse linen on his ankles, and he called all the trainers witch doctors. So you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, you kill me. You actually kill me, man. I, I mean, th- those were the characters, and, and, and it's ironically, we only had one guy that was out of place, Andy Russell. Yeah. Now, now, why Russell? I have no idea, but I think Russell kept the peace. He was the negotiator. He kept people from, you know, really getting kicked out of the game most of the time. He could actually negotiate, you know, with the referee and say, "Ref, he didn't really mean that, you know. Hey, ref, you know, he's a nice guy, you know." So, so that was Russell going over there, you know, but he was really out of place <laughs> and you know um uh when when you guys played the minnesota vikings in the first super bowl uh jt you told a story about glenn edwards uh in the tunnel and screaming at the vikings and you said the game was decided right then yeah. oh yeah yeah well well um, uh, i got two episodes and i'm writing a book called from the balcony but anyway yeah in that wait a minute whoa 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 you're writing a book I've been writing for a couple of years, and then Jim O'Brien been kicking me in the butt uh, every other week about getting the manuscript out. To him. What, what's it called? What's it called? It's, called? it's really the title I have right now is From the Balcony, and it's, it's kind of a view of what happened. You know, a lot of times you go to the balcony of life as opposed to the dance floor, you, uh, you see things totally different. All right. And it, yeah, and it's based on an incident uh, at a nightclub called Heaven Downtown where the incident uh, broke out on the dance floor. Two guys, you know, you know, threw a few punches, and we were there doing a promotion. The Steelers, and the cops come in. He's going to shut it down. And uh, you know, a little guy by five nine with a cigar, you know, say, "Shut the music off at this club called Heaven." And uh, it did. The guys, you know, he screamed loud, and it was so quiet you hear cockroaches pissing in there. But nevertheless, eventually, after all these stories on the dance floor, he looked to the balcony, and, uh, and this young lady said, "Officer, I saw what happened." You know. And he said, what happened? So we looked up, and she said, well, the dance floor was crowded. And this drunk walked through the, the crowd on the dance floor. He bumped into this gentleman caused a chain reaction. He said, well, where is the drunk? Oh, he left 20 minutes ago. And it gave me a perspective about life. I never forgot that on the dance floor, we love the dance floor because there's a lot of interaction, bumping and grinding. But you go to the back, and you take all your five senses, most of them out, and you see life a little different. And that's what... This book is about looking at life, and a lot of things happen. I thought in one way, but from the balcony, you know, the cataracts falls off. And you say, wait a minute, mm-hmm. that may be a contributing factor, but that wasn't the real reason. So it's that kind of book. It's not a sports book per se, but obviously it does involve sports and life in general. Now i got to ask you one thing. Are you going to do a one-man play like Rocky off it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't thought about that. <laughs> it, 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 like I say, it won't be a sports book. It's about life. So, yeah. okay. you know, yeah. Because it talks about even Steelers, why do we, you know, we really won. You know, we won four Super Bowls, and everybody said great coaches, great players, all these all pros. Those was contributing factor, but there are other aspects that people probably not aware of. Uh, if they hadn't have happened, uh, you wouldn't have had that era. Yeah. But it's, so it's that kind of book. Yeah. yeah, well, we'll yeah. we'll push it for you. We'll, oh, we'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you got to tell I, the Minnesota I, I story, though. Yeah. When I'm about ready, you know, I'm working on it hardly. Very hard here, though, yeah. <laughs> But let's hear the Minnesota story now. Yeah, yeah the Minnesota story, we've been to Tony, you know, right before the introduction, it had been drizzling there in New Orleans, and, you know, the rain and the mist. So what happened, uh, 
we didn't know this before, but one of Glenn Edwards' former teammates played for the Vikings had refused to speak to him during warm-up. And Glenn was upset about this, but we didn't know this at the time. So as we sat in the tunnel for introduction, uh, you know, the Vikings on one side, I mean, it was dreary. And they had beards, you know, and and all of them had these, these water drops in their beard, and they looked like real Vikings. And we were standing there wondering, what the heck are we doing here? We was at attention, and they were about maybe 10 feet away. And the thing about this, these are our idols. You know, when I was in high school, these guys, the purple people eaters. So we're young. We're a young ball club there. And, and these guys here, and they look like real Vikings. They look like giants. <laughs> so obviously we had a 12th man in the huddle. I mean, in line there, in line of, that was fear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you could, you know, drop a pen in that tunnel. So all of a sudden, you know, and we want to look at them. And all of a sudden, Glenn, there was the last guy to introduce. So Glenn was standing in the back of between both lines with his arms folded. And he he bellowed out. He asked a question, and he answered the question also. He said, do y'all know what? And everybody looked back. He kind of stalled everybody. He was standing there. And he said, we're going to kick y'all M-F-N-F-N-A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I don't know, something went through the Steelers. Green broke line. You know, he's chewing gum, happening out of his mouth, and he's walking over looking at the Vikings, just looking at them one by one. Uh, Dwight asking guys, is your mama watching the game? <laughs> <laughs> Ernie, Ernie is, oh, no. you know, talking about somebody, I'm going to break a leg today. I'm going to break a leg. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all we all out of order. Lambert is sitting there just hissing in like a snake. You know, mm-hmm. and, and at that point in time, they looked at us, and, and we knew we had them then. We, we had even had hadn't been introduced yet. Mm. But that what broke the thing and, and we were we were there. So we we knew in the tone we had won that game. Yeah. It, it was no doubt in our mind because uh, cool. and Glenn Edwards, I mean he broke the ice. I mean and uh, he kinda prophesied what we was going to do and we broke rank. <laughs> we got out of line. <laughs> <laughs> it was noisy. <laughs> and that 12th man was gone, right? Yeah, the 12th man left the tone, too. Yeah. <laughs> the 12th man left the tone. <laughs> That's a great story, man. So, so JT, one of the things uh, with the Steelers was there was many godly men, and you were one of the one of the men that uh, had a positive effect uh, on, on me. And, you know, we've done a lot of uh, uh, outreaches together, and mm-hmm. we've done a men's conference. Um, you know, uh, how was that team, how did that affect you uh, in your love for Jesus? Well, I think what happened, uh, a, a lot of guys on the team had come from, you know, especially the guys from the South, they come from a spiritual background. And I think people uh, don't didn't realize that so we're going through a tough time. We just most of us uh, African American guys um, for a Super Bowl, we less than ten years off the back of the bus. Uh, we grew up in Jim Crow. We we grew up in racism. Uh, we grew up in the civil rights movement. So uh, that was there, and that was a a Christian movement. The civil rights movement was, you know, and definitely being a part of that and just come out of that Christian background. And I think what. Most guys realize, uh, even then, that, you know, you're not all that. You know, people look at you. You know, these guys had insecurities, had fears, uh, had no problem with prayer. And it was amazing what happened that they 
they want you, you know, all these football players, and they were humble, and they realized, hey, I'm not all that. Uh, never forget one of the, the, the most uh, alarming, uh, I'm, not, I'm not alone, but truth-telling images. We were playing the Chicago All-Stars. Uh, that's when the uh, world championship, I think that was right. the first uh, Super Bowl, we, we played, you know, the All-Stars. We, we were in uh, Chicago, you know, not a big game. We're going to beat these guys. They're college guys. And we had started out to the field before uh, the game, and, and someone said, we forgot to say the prayer. And I, I never forget, it was Kobe was, was, was walking out, and when he said that, you know, it was a big bottleneck. You saw 49 guys rushing back because we got to say the prayer. And I mean, I mean in unison, you know. And so that spoke a lot in terms of we're not going out there. <laughs> uh, you know, you would think, now, these guys, big, strong, world champions, you know, let's go out here. No, no, no. They would not go out there. And, and they all turned around and rushed back in and, and you know, actually to say the prayer. Now, now you have to understand, I never prayed a team prayer in my life. I, I never prayed. When they prayed all those years, I never prayed. I did. You probably say, JT, what's wrong with you, right? Well, what happened, <laughs> I figured out years ago that at about quarter one, every Sunday, you get about, what I don't know, 30-some teams plus on their knees praying. <laughs> you got 60,000 fans in every stadium praying. And how many fans in the city are praying? There are a lot of folks praying between – you know, the 15 minutes, minutes before kickoff. So I thought if I prayed then, it was too many calls going up. So what I would do, I would pray on Wednesday. Uh, so I, I never, because it was just too many phone calls, and I don't want to get a busy signal there at, one, at 5 to 1 for the kickoff. So it was that time. I never prayed a team's prayer. <laughs> yeah, but but you were a very godly man. Uh, oh, yeah. And you loved Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and... Uh, you know, uh, I, I, it was a bonding for that yeah, team. Yeah, that because when we came to that team, oh, oh, these yeah. were guys who were godly men who they they really you guys extended yourself to us, us yeah, which was very very different, very and, not what I expected. And it was very close. The team was very yeah. close. The very very close. And, and and people don't realize that was one of the dynamics that really glued us. Right. Uh, more so than anything, yeah, we, we uh, because of what it did, we, people, that, that brought us together where not only we played together, parted together, we uh, prayed together. Mm-hmm. And you don't get that dynamic anywhere in any, very few relationships, you think about that, where you, where you play, you know, part and pray together. You don't get it in homes. And that was very unique um, because what happened in that situation, you expose who you are, and I can see you. Yeah. And if I can see you, I can identify with you. But uh, I got a rule called, called the 95% rule. 95% of everybody is the same. The 5% is, you know, taste buds, height, weight, co- skin color. Well, in the athletic world, that 5% doesn't exist. <laughs> it can't exist on the football field. It doesn't exist. Uh, now, in the real world, that's what we walk around with, our 5%, and that's why – and you can never reconcile your 5% with my 5%. That's why we have conflict. Football players, I don't know, subconsciously or just as an allowable environment, your 95% is what's out there. You find out that your 95% is just like this guy. Now, he may portray it different, but his fears, anxiety, shortcomings, you see and 
he see yours. And you find out, wait a minute, you just like me. And yep. I think if you look at it in terms of this, our country, in terms of race relationship, what has been the catalyst is sports because what stands mimic that behavior, and they unconsciously have mimicked that behavior of athletes and have grown together. So, But because players can't have that 5% out there working. It, it doesn't work. It's no, it, it doesn't even fit on, fit on the athletic field, basketball, course, or, or most team sports. Uh, the 5% doesn't exist, so you're operating with a common denominator. It's kind of like in math, you know, fraction. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what the numerator is if you've got the, you know, the right common denominator. And mm-hmm. I think in sports, players see that, they feel that, and that's why they, they want to play. They hate to retire. It's like a death <laughs> yeah. because they are losing this reality that feels so right, and it is right. But we don't get that in our, you know, our normal lives, you know. Yeah. JT, you know, the one thing I, I think about sports in that time period was Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I always think about the huddle, when you're in that mm-hmm. huddle. No, no, Nobody's skin color, nobody's background, nobody's right. uh, political beliefs, nobody's mm-hmm. anything. It doesn't matter. In the locker room, it doesn't matter because you're all a team and you're all bonded together. And I think, well, but you, but, but you know what, you know, well, you know, yeah, in that, that commandment, I think, uh, I think uh, they had asked Christ, what was the, the greatest commandment right. of right. the law? Mm-hmm. Uh, the teacher, uh, a lawyer, had asked him that question. But, you know, Christ gave us another, I think it's in John, where he said that, you know, that you love your brother the way I love you. Right, yeah, <laughs> unconditionally. Yeah. So I, I call that the eleventh commandment. You know, <laughs> in other words, he canceled the ten, canceled the two, give us one, <laughs> and right. he say, "You love your brother the way I love you." Yeah. Yeah. By doing so, you show that you are my disciples. Right. Which yeah. is very popular. So, so that that was under grace means that no, I'm not going to love you like, you know, uh, like you love me. That ain't good enough. And you say you love him the way I love you, which means that. I, I never foreclosed on you. Yeah. I don't love you with if-then clauses. Mm-hmm. I love you with those covenantal words. Nevertheless, anyhow, regardless, you know. And, and and I think that's the challenge there. And I think in on the athletic field, like Wolf was saying, that's what you have. You don't have that. It, it, it's, it's no it's no space for it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And, 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 and people don't want – that's what makes the game so great. Because yeah. what happened – you do whatever you can to help the guy next to you. Right. It just, I mean, if he's falling short, you don't think about it. It's your fault. No, you, you jump in. Right. You know, you see he's struggling, boom, you do what you can. I mean, it's just a natural thing to do. I mean, defensively out there, we thought, although I'm playing past defense, we thought we should make every tackle. Right. <laughs> every, every, every guy thought I should make the tackle, even if it's across the field. You know, I got to help. I got to help my buddy out. Yeah. So it's that type of uh, connection that you have, and it's it's so uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's all it's, it's unnatural in real life, and I think, and that's why you know um, you can go six, seven years and not see a player, a friend, and you go right back to that spot, you know, as if nothing happened in that gap in the gap of time. Yeah, because you, of the relationship. You know, JT, you make a great point. Uh, Jesus said, "Love one another as I have loved you." Uh, by this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you would love right. one another. But he loved 
unconditionally, and he loved sacrificially. And right. that and and you know uh, to heal this country, we got to love like Jesus. Yeah, we got and we don't. Unfortunately, yeah. Uh, yeah. even the churches obviously we, we've allowed in our churches. Uh, I grew up in the South, you know, and I grew up in racism. I went through the whole integration process, you know. I was the first black football player in Florida State, so I mean, I've seen a lot. And what used to um, bother me, I would uh, uh, see white churches, white Christians. Uh, go to church, and they'll leave church and go to a Klan rally. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I, I think uh, if we're going to change this, politics won't change. I think the church, and I think the owners don't white Christians, because what I've seen, and i got a, a lot of uh, white friends that, that I deal with here in, in uh, a campus ministry called CCO, which is a big campus ministry here. Uh, we got, uh, And we talk about you know the racism in this country, and I think the owners don't white Christian, because what has happened in, in the subconscious, uh, they have allowed their theology and racism to exist. And I think it, it, it is so ingrained uh, in the culture. And I think what has happened is that they have allowed their cultural tradition and humanity to define their faith, yeah. as opposed to their faith defining their culture and humanity. Yeah. And that has happened. And, and you go over you know, decades after decades of this, it, it becomes the norm, and you're not really aware of it. And I have a, a lot of, uh, you know, people I'm talking to uh, and uh, that is concerned about that, well, what is the problem? And and I think the, the challenge is, is really on white Christians to make this, to flip this thing. Right. Because and one way you can do it, JT, put, make them play football. Get in the locker room, yeah. get in the hall. Oh, get in the locker room. <laughs> yeah, but, 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 but you know what? And, and, and that's what I do. I, I get into a bump and run <laughs> on my white Christmas friends, and, and, and we, we do. And that's because, good. Uh, uh, because I, I do, and I do, because there you, you, all the ideology, you correct it, you see it. A lot of times you just don't see it. It's kind of like trying to convince a fish that it's wet. You know, uh, I mean, it's like a frog talking to the fish. The frog says, hey, fish, you're wet, baby. <laughs> no, I'm not. Now, the frog, the frog knows the difference because he lives into an environment it's like me. And I swim in the water. I got a nice breaststroke, sizzle kick. I, I, I transfer the land. I go into a little hip-hop. So I live in two environments, and, that, and that's the kind of scenario we got here, where the fish stays in, in the water all the time. Is everything's just benefited his privileges. So he doesn't see what's happening because he hasn't been on land. So, so, and, and it's tough to get them on land. Now, occasionally now. Oh, hey, JT, so we're gonna we're gonna have to bring it down. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. We're running out of time here. All right, then. But anyway, I I think the onus is is, is really on on the Christian to turn this thing around. I think right. God has left us here to Amen. to turn this thing. I think that's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we love you, JT. Appreciate mm-hmm. you, bro. We love my, you. My pleasure, man. Hey, love come it. back on and let's hawk yeah. the book when you're yeah. ready. Well, when hey, when you, you when you, when you finish. Here, when you finish the book, we'll uh, push it. Uh, okay, I, I'll definitely let you know, guys. Okay. Right. Thank you so much. God bless you. God I love bless you, you, buddy. Love you, bro. Take care. Take care now. All right, we're going to go to break. Uh, he's Wolf. I'm Tunch, and you're in the locker room. You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf. Presented by Neighborhood Ford Store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, here's Tunch and Wolf. I I love the Ford Tops. 
You know, I, I you obviously know, I, I love the four tops and uh, I, I love JT Thomas. He he did a great job. Uh, JT uh, was yeah. a great teammate. Yeah. You know, one of the things I always remember about JT was the story of uh, how he would sit in the back of the plane in the jump seat that the uh, airline stewardesses used to sit in. And I remember sitting down with him after after a game and we're flying back and I sat next to him. There was two seats there. I said, you know, JT, I thought that was really cool. You give up your seat up front, you know, and you let some other young guy move up there, and you sit all the way in the back of the plane here. And I said, that, you know, that that's really cool. That's that's you know, nice of you to reach out like that. He goes, reach out. He goes, what? I ain't doing it for all the young guys. He goes, I'm sitting back here because you ever hear a plane back into a mountain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I should have brought that up to him because it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And of course, he had it was such a great line. But JT was like that. He was a great player. Yeah. He was part of that '70s squad of Steelers that, uh, you know, as he talked about his his faith in Jesus. That yeah. you know, it it brought guys closer together. It was a right. bonding agent. Yeah, and it was also used as an accountability aspect right. where guys stayed accountable to each other. You know, both on and off the field. And right. You, you know, I, I, you got to respect that. Yeah. You know, you respect that time period. That was a fabulous time to be a Pittsburgh Steelers. I was drawn to that. Yeah. I was drawn to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, uh, so I'm glad JT was on. And thank you, Lynn Molino, yeah. for setting these, uh, you know, going to the trouble of setting up all these interviews because that, yeah. that's just really good right. stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's good to hear from you guys. And hopefully we are efforting LaVon Kirkland, Captain yeah. Kirk. Yeah. And maybe get him on and because uh, I would have also loved to get uh Kevin Green, but I think he's coaching somewhere, isn't he? I don't think so. You don't think? Because no. that that would be the next guy. I think no. we should go through that linebacking yeah. quartet yeah. of guys. Yeah uh, and uh you know uh J T was a great guy and he was you know I, I was so drawn to the Christians on the team, and I was a Muslim, right? And uh, I I saw uh, something in them, a purpose, uh, you know, a love, and uh, you know, and you you were uh, a great example because. Uh, but did they not extend themselves? Yeah. To, I mean, yeah. here's the whole thing: you come to a, a yeah. Super Bowl team like that. Yeah. I don't know how you felt, but I felt like. You know, there's a lot of guys here that might not want me to be a part of this group. Yeah. Because you have a guy like Sam Davis. I was drafted, obviously, uh, at a point in time. Come along, Sam Davis is going to need replacement, you know, replacement stuff. Right. And this is a Super Bowl team, four and six years, and we come along. How open and welcoming right. are these going to be? They, they were welcoming. They were very they were welcoming. welcoming. Surprisingly Yeah, because welcoming. they because they loved Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. there was there was a bonding agent amongst yeah. the guys and there was a, a, a brother uh, brethren type of relationship where again, that yeah. accountability and friendship and, and so forth uh, ran and, and, and it really permeated the whole team. Yeah, you know, when I gave my life to Christ, uh, the, we were coming home from a football banquet, and you said, you want to pray to receive mm -hmm. Jesus? And I said, no, that would be too weird. But I went into my house, right. and uh, I was finishing The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey, right. and, he, uh, 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 and he gives the sinner's prayer, and I prayed it. And I, when I went, uh, it was the off season. We were lifting, and I told you I got saved. Yeah. And then you, you went 
ballistic. You went, wow, Colby, we <laughs> got changed, another one. It changed we your got life. another one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And that expands and 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 creates more of that uh, relationship that holds everybody together. So it's all been a good run. Yeah. It's been a great run, yeah, Chalooch. Yeah, yeah. And uh, to hear from JT, uh, by the way, you know, I, I meant to ask him because he had, re- what was it, Red Hot and Blue? Was that that uh, right, the yeah, rib he, joint that yeah, he, had? He, he had? I wonder the, if he still has those. No, 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 no. He okay. he's now um, he originally started uh, um, uh, uh, well with with, uh, with Larry Brown. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, what's the one? The the oh, I can't even think of it now. It's not Fridays. It's um, Jacob. Do you know what I'm ta- trying to tell? You? Oh, I can't believe I can't think of it yeah, right now. Yeah, I can't. I can't because we have great been ribs. There. They yeah, haven't they, been there in forever, they, but they, they have great ribs there. They had great. Lips. You would have to bring it up. Yeah, you uh, would bring that up, but we can't well, figure it out. Yeah, um, and he and uh, Larry Brown uh, had all the uh, Applebee's uh, in in, Ta-da! in the area. Yeah. You get the prize. That's a great get. We yeah. finally got it. Applebee's. Hey, yeah, Applebee's. Um, and, uh, and then he went, uh, you know, he sold his portion of it and then he went, right. uh, to the red, white, and blue. And I'm now, so proud of you pulled off that. That's great stuff. Now, this uh, is two slobber knocker guys yeah. from the, from the medieval times trying to figure out a now, name. That- now he's got a crazy mocha. <laughs> crazy mocha. Oh, yeah. the coffee. Yeah. Crazy Very mocha. good. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't believe it. I just, I just went, uh, yeah. I went to, uh, you know mental on that one yeah yeah applebee's and uh, and the, th- the thing of it is poor bubba bubba said they're going it ain't fridays if bubba was listening boss brown he'd be going it ain't fridays yeah, it's it, applebee's yeah. you idiot oh yeah. yeah sorry yeah uh it was good hey um uh deontay johnson ryan switzer and deandre tompkins were the punt returners yesterday mm-hmm. uh who did you like be- like the best in that? Oh, you got to like Deontay. I mean, you know, he's uh, he was a pro bowler last year. He averaged over 12 yards a return. He had the 85-yarder in, down in uh, Phoenix right. uh, or Arizona. Um, you you got to love him. Uh, yeah. I think Ryan Switzer has a, has a place. Um, you put him out there maybe when, uh, you know, you, you need maybe a little more judgment call, maybe right. his heels on the 10-yard line, stuff like that. Um, but uh, Deontay Johnson's got to be the guy. Right. He's just yeah. got to be the man. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to finish out the show. He's Wolf, I'm Tunch, and you are in the locker room. You know the day this cries You're in the locker room with Tunch and Wolf, presented by Neighbor. You know, the Doors were a good band. Yeah, except Morrison was an idiot. Yeah, Morrison was an idiot. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was uh, crazy. Yeah, he yeah. was really out there. So. Yeah. Anyhow, breaking on through to the other side, that was oh, the theme for Goal Line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, 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 uh, you know, 
We haven't seen too many goal line scrimmages. No, they ran the, was it, uh, they had one, uh, two. They've done goal line a couple times, I think. Yeah. You know, back in our day. Um, we did it every Friday. Yeah, goal line was, was a staple yeah. of our practices in training camp. Uh, they were all, the only time Franco ever worried about the getting hit was on goal line. Yeah. And even then he was live. But you worked at it. And, the, you know, the body stacking that went on, it was, uh, it was a different animal. Yeah, um, but you know, goal line was different because you could, you you got low and you would you know rip off and and you try to get the peaker, the guy that gets a little bit high, raises up. You know, you want to double yeah. team him if you can, or you want to just you know move him back. And yeah. um, back then, goal line was there was an art to it, man. There yeah, was a, there was a definite. Definite technique, cross face. Yeah, you had you to know, dig it up, dig marinate out. the dude's ribs. Yeah. yeah, all that kind of stuff. I miss that. Yeah, you know, we saw and have seen in the last number of years. I think several times you and I have said, "Did you see that?" I mean, a touchdown from the low red zone. You know, three, two, or one, um, and twenty-one out of twenty-two guys were standing at the yeah. end of it. I, you know, that's it. Really has changed. Right. Yeah, and, and you know the the one thing that we did was uh, the defensive linemen would submarine, right? And so we had to dig uh, dig their uh, heads out, and we now if you had the double team, you yeah. could get on each side of that and and underhook them. Yeah, you know what I mean, and, and be able to raise. But if you uh, were single blocking a guy, it was extremely difficult, right? And you had to meet helmet to helmet. And turn his head, right? Because if if you turn his head, then his body follows. Yeah, yeah, and, and we we that's what the technique was, right? To turn their head, turn the head, cross face, you know, them. Uh, cross face them with an explosive uh, form. Right, cross that, then you get his head turned, then you just marinate those ribs, right? Get the the knees pumping, and of course. I don't know that you can do that anymore nowadays. You can't do that anymore. It's a, yeah. a little bit different animal. So it's interesting because we did see some things on a uh, on a, on the goal line where we saw some some people uh, run the ball because we got to be careful of the pool report. Right. Um, it had to do with um, well, uh, you can't you, you can't talk about it. Yeah. Well, seven <laughs> shots uh, uh, been through to Juju. Uh, with a quick one fouled, uh, you know, by a quick splant. Eric Ebron got wide open on a crossing route, but uh, the ball was uh, overthrown. He's been a little bit quieter of late. Yeah. Eric Ebron. Yeah. You noticed him an awful lot early on. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, lately, as of, uh, you know, just the last couple of practices, he's been, you know, just a little bit more quiet. But he's, yeah. he's a gregarious guy. Yeah. Did you see him taking the picture? He was doing, uh, I don't know whether it was Caitlin. Uh, one of the uh, photographers from right. the Steelers, and he was had a camera that you know you got a it's on a pole and you got the big you know lens and all that stuff, and he was taking pictures. So I don't know whose camera that was, but right. it could have been. It looked like Caitlin's, probably. Uh, and uh, you know Zach Banner uh, on Benny Snell's uh, 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 big run, right? Zach Banner pancaked the guy. Do you know who it was? No. I mean, you get pancaked by Zach, you know that's a real pancake, yeah. man. Yeah. Because I mean, he's he's a very powerful run blocker, and right. I, I I enjoy uh, watching Zach go at it. Um, I, I I hope that he maintains his uh, rededication, if you will, to punching. Yeah. Um, because when he doesn't, 
you know, he gets his head in there, and it, it, it's just too easy for the guys to sweep his hands and right. to run the arc behind him. But yeah. if he keeps his head up and punches, oh, man. Yeah, the, the, he keeps his hands low. And yeah. also, Kevin Dotson keeps his hands low. Yeah, Kevin, it would, it would help him. But Kevin is more towards, he's more towards the phone booth fighter. With right. the, you know, you don't quite extend the punch as much. Right. You know, um, he's 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 got some good feet. He's very strong through his core. He passes the game off pretty well. Sometimes it's he, he, he's he got to finish. Yeah. You know, you, it's incumbent on the guard. If you have a twist and you're punching your man off to the tackle, it's incumbent to get that man in front of the tackle. Right. You know, the, the juice is on you, that being the guard, to get that man in front of the tackle. Likewise, if it's a twist with the me game where the defensive end is crossing the face of the tackle, then it's incumbent upon the tackle to get that guy in in, in the face of the guard. Right. Uh, one of the things I saw in Kevin Dotson, uh, he came out early yesterday, mm-hmm. and he was doing sets, and he was doing pulls, and he was doing uh, uh, run blocking and uh, pass sets, and he is – his hands were quick. He's very quick. He's yeah. very powerful. Um, one of the things I, I it's frustrating me. I, I I just want to meet him. You know, I don't want to talk to him. I, I watch a Zoom, you know, press conference, and right. you get a, a indication of what kind of guy he is. But when you're up close, you watch him in practice. You watch the in between the the in between stuff. You know, when you see guys, uh, are, are they they're standing there not taking reps, and are they paying attention? You know, are they talking to the coaches and are they being involved? Right. Those are the things that you miss. You don't really see. Right. Uh, so hopefully at some point in time we will be able to see, but it ain't going to be uh, anytime soon. There was a lot of one-on-ones and uh, twists yesterday. Uh, Anthony Coyle did a good job. Hey, the kid's got a punch. Yeah. Did you see him punch a yeah. couple? He punched one guy to the ground. I don't know who it was, yeah. but he punched him to the ground. Yeah, he 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 uh, he's uses his hands well. Um, and uh, – uh, you know, Kevin Dotson used his hands well. All right. Absolutely. Uh, we got to take, uh, we're out of time. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch. You're in the locker room. Uh, Jacob did a great job today. We went a little long with JT, but it, you yeah. know what? Sorry there, young man. Yeah. We didn't mean to make it well, life hard on you. I, I thought it was great. I blame Tunch. Yeah. Blame me. All right. God bless everybody. He's Wolf. I'm Tunch, and you are in the locker room.